start what we have come into the room to do. <laughs> right on. Here goes. One, two, three. Hello, Ann Arbor. It's hot in here. The WCBN show bringing you environmental news, views, grooves, and we've got an exciting show planned up for you. It's all about food love today. This is Becca Baylor. I've got my co-host in studio, Andrea, and we've also got a couple special guests um, speaking to food love. We've got Keith Soster from UM Dining and the local Food Summit Planning Committee. We've also got Eric Kempe from the Ann Arbor from Ann Arbor Seeds and Bill Brinkerhoff from Argus Farm Stop. We'll be talking to you today about food love. Um, so to kick off this special topic, we're going to start it with a song called Savoy Truffle. Uh, this is a classic tune um, to get you salivating about today's food love. So rumor has it that Savoy Truffle was written by the Beatles as a tribute to Eric Clapton's chocolate addiction. I don't know about you and having food addictions out there, but Ella Fitzgerald covered the song one year later. So whether you prefer cream tangerines or jinger slings, whatever your food addiction, um, this song will likely hit the spot. So stay tuned. We'll be right back to discuss some food love. Thank you.
Hello, we're back. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Um, it's hot in here right now. It definitely is. The topic of today's show is food love. And in commemoration of that, we listened to um, the song that we just listened to was a song by Ella Fitzgerald, Savoy Truffle. It's a very familiar tune, um, tribute to Eric Clapton's food addiction with chocolate. Um, so we've got some exciting guests in studio, including Keith Soster from UM Dining, who is helping to plan the local food summit. We've also got Eric Kempe of Ann Arbor Seeds and Bill Brinkerhoff of Argus Farm Stop. So I want to kick it off um, by asking you guys what your food addiction is. Um, I think it's appropriate given the song that we just listened to. Keith, do you have any food addictions you'd like to share on air? I love Virginia Peanuts. They're incredible. Virginia Peanuts. That's a good one. Salty. Nice. Eric? Oh, I really like root vegetables, beets, carrots, turnips, and that's what I'm eating this time of year because that's what I've got in the root cellar. Tis the season for root vegetables. Bill? I'd say I'm in a period of transition. I have a weak spot for Thai red curry with about anything, um, but it's being slowly moved out with ruse roast honey lattes. <laughs> Roosters. Ooh, that sounds good. Andrea? Mine is pho. I'm from Houston, Texas, and we have a just awesomely giant Vietnamese population that makes really good pho. So uh, you can find me every Tuesday at lunch at Tomokun Restaurant here because they have a really great pho, bowl of pho um, for lunch that they sell for $7. That sounds delicious. So my food addiction is kind of a strange one. I really, really love anything with vinegar. Lots of vinegar. I grew up pickling as a kid, still continue that now. Anytime I just pop open a jar of pickles or anything like that, just Pavlov dogs all over again. Um, so that's my food addiction. <laughs> but awesome. Thanks for sharing that, guys. Uh, so we're talking today about food love. Um, Valentine's Day is coming up, as we know, and so is the local food summit. It's the seventh annual food summit here in Ann Arbor, hosted at the University of Michigan. And we are going to be talking about that today. Keith Soster is helping to plan that event. Keith, can you tell us a little bit about what what is the Local Food Summit? Well, this is our seventh year of the Local Food Summit. And the summit was actually um, to bring together area stakeholders interested and involved in improving and relocalizing our food system and to make connections that would strengthen and build the network of people who demand healthy, secure, safe, and fair food. So it's passionate people discussing food issues. And uh, it's a robust conversation throughout the day. Okay, excellent. Yeah, sounds exciting. Um, I went to the Food Summit last year. It was awesome. I'm just very anticipatory of what how great this Food Summit's going to be. Can you tell us a little bit more about what your role is with the local Food Summit this year? Sure. I am on the I'm the chair of the food planning committee. I'm also working on the logistics team, and I'm happy to say that Michigan Dining and the University of Michigan are um, host to the uh, local food summit this year. We had at Washtenaw uh, Community College last year, and uh, so bringing it on campus and allowing students to be involved, I think, is incredibly exciting. Um, it's Sunday, February fifteenth, from eight thirty a.m. till four thirty p.m. And some of the things that we have uh, lined up for the day, Judy Wicks is our keynote speaker. Uh, She's an author, speaker, and mentor working to build a more 
compassionate, environmentally sustainable, and locally based economy. And Lucas DeGia, a local Ann Arbor resident and founder of Rap for Food, is going to be our MC for the day. We have sessions in the afternoon focused on uh, different um, interests. And the keynote breakfast in the morning, uh, we'll have uh, a story slam. Uh, right around lunchtime. We new to this year is a youth track so that students between the ages of 8 and 17 can participate and uh, enjoy sustainable uh, agricultural activities. And uh, registration is open right now at $40 per person until Monday. Uh, that's the early bird registration. Uh, there are scholarships for students available, so I encourage students to register at localfoodsummit.org. Okay, so with that ticket, I hear that they're, speaking of food, food is involved and uncovered in the cost of the ticket? Oh my gosh, absolutely. Okay. So chefs uh, in Michigan Dining are preparing the food, and we've uh, forged food from local vendors all over Ann Arbor. And so we'll have local farmers and vendors that have donated food, and they'll prepare food for breakfast, lunch, and snacks throughout the day. So uh, Tom and Vicki Zilke, our farmers from uh, Carpenter Road in Myland, have donated oats for breakfast that they grew themselves and uh, so we'll have a hot breakfast with various items like bagels from Zingerman's and then for lunch yeah totally meatless (laughs) lunch and uh, we'll have a variety of vegetables uh Root vegetables, because they're popular this time of <laughs> Eric, year. Eric, you're covered. <laughs> and then, of course, snacks from area places like the Tortilla Factory. Uh, so it, it should be a healthy, good day of eating and robust conversations. Oh, that sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. So there's there's students, there's farmers, there's community, food activists. How many people can we expect to be there? Is We're it- anticipating 400 this year, wow. which will be the lo- largest. That's amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Excellent. And I gather by bringing together all these different groups, one of the things you want to do is sort of raise awareness within the student community, for example, of all the great local food that's available and maybe vice versa, too. Um, You know, having different food vendors uh, more aware of how passionate people in the community really are about food. Is there anything else other than awareness that you really want people to be able to get out of the Food Summit? Well, I think whenever you have food and people together, it helps build community. And so allowing our students and people that are not as familiar with uh, the food uh, systems and the, and the progress towards a more sustainable society in our Ann Arbor area, bringing those people together with the farmers that are uh, totally immersed in sustainable practices and our vendors that uh, bring local to our university campus as well as the Ann Arbor area. Uh, What a great opportunity to build relationships. Wow. And you are serving a pivotal role in building these relationships as the person helping source the food, connect these students and the farmers. Before we switch into our next tune, I want to ask you, how, how is that going? Have there been a lot of challenges with that or as far as sourcing for the event? No, not at all. People have really stepped up. And I think, uh, Um, After seven years, everyone sees the value in bringing the community together to talk Mm -hmm. about what we've accomplished so far and what lies ahead of us as far as increasing our sustainable practices.
Okay, that's excellent. So, you guys, that was Keith Soster giving us a little bit of a background and overview of what the Local Food Summit is going to be about. We'll be continuing this conversation about food love, um, but we also want to continue the conversation about WCBN love as well. Right now, WCBN um, is collecting donations for its annual fundraiser. We're trying to raise $50,000 in a week, people, and I think we can do it. So if you want to go ahead and give our phone lines a call at 734-763-3500, now's the time to do so. We're switching it over to our next tune, which is Peaches, one of my personal favorites by President Presidents of the United States, Peaches uh, peaked at number eight on the U.S. Billboard Hot Modern Rock Tracks. And despite its title, the song is actually about a girl that the lead singer, uh, Chris Ballou, had a crush on. Allegedly, he wrote the song while sitting under a peach tree. So let's just carry on that imagery. Tex, go ahead and play that tune. I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches I'm moving to the country I'm gonna eat me a lot of peaches I'm moving to the country I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches I'm moving to the country I'm gonna eat a lot of peaches
Hello, we're back. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor talking with you today about local food and the seventh annual local food summit. Keith Saucer just gave us a recap of the wonderful event that'll be happening next Sunday, February 15th from 8.30 to 4. It starts in the Michigan League and tickets are on sale right now online. Um, so I encourage you to check out the website, localfoodsummit.org. Um, so Keith was just telling us as he was transitioning out, out of the studio, he's a busy man and had to run to another meeting, but he was just telling us that the University of Michigan, as part of their larger sustainability goals, is currently sourcing about 12.2% of their food from local sources, which is an amazing feat and something that Keith has been working towards a lot. Definitely speaks towards um, love for food and love for sustainability. And I think it's a good segue to introduce our next guest, Eric Kempe from Ann Arbor Seeds. So in order to source locally, you have to have products that are grown locally. And Eric has a business. He's co-founder of a business, Ann Arbor Seeds, where they where they grow seeds um, in order to sell them for, well, actually, Eric, I think you could tell me a little bit. I think you could articulate it a little better. What is the Ann Arbor Seed Company? Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, happy to be here. Um, I grow seeds locally. I have a small farm, and it's like raising vegetables, except a different end product. Instead of selling produce, I have seeds at the end of the year. And we sell locally at many retailers in the area. Um, and we have a web presence and a presence at the Ann Arbor Farmer's Market in the in the spring. Okay. Um, and, okay, so growing seeds, like growing vegetables, what's what's the difference for people out there that don't know? What does it mean to grow seeds? Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's really wonderful. Um, but most of the plants that we eat, they start at a humble seed. And if you let them go their entire life cycle they end with a seed. So some things, it's quite similar to growing for, for food in your garden. Uh, a ripe red tomato is a mature fruit, and it has seeds that are mature and finished inside of it. But other things, like uh, a head of lettuce, uh, the part that you eat is before it's, before it's produced seeds. So the life cycle is longer on the seed farm. We let the head of lettuce bolt and flower and set seed, and then we harvest after that. Okay. So. so it's not that people would come across a field and see just a field of wilted lettuce. No. It, and that's, it's, it's flowered lettuce. It's actually a field of flowers, and that's where you would get your, um, your seeds from. Yeah, and then oh. that's actually part of the fun of, uh, of doing seed work is a lot of times you get to see the life cycle of a plant that isn't as common. Um, I love bringing farmers out to um, to the seed to the seed farm at, at times of year where they could see lettuce bolting and they look out at it and they're like, "Oh, you screwed up! You missed it!" Um, <laughs> because typically, when a, a lettuce head starts to bolt, it becomes bitter and less palatable. And for a farmer, that's that's a mistake. And I'm like, "No, no, that's that's the plan." Um, and then, and then it does. It's it's really cool. Uh, lettuces they 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 sort of spiral out of the top of the of the head, and mm -hmm. they they get about three or four feet tall and produce wow. many uh, pale yellow flowers. They're not very showy. They're small and pale. And then then later, uh, tufts of seed that aren't are, are somewhat similar to uh, dandelion. It has a, a little a little wing that'll catch the air. And that's what I'm going for. 
Okay. So at the Local Food Summit, you're doing a session um, in part with Erica. Um, Erica Kempter, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the two of us are presenting a breakaway session on seed saving. And so um, myself, Eric Campy from Ann Arbor Seed Company, and my friend, Erica Kempter from Nature and Nurture Seeds. And so we have these eerily similar names. There's something... <laughs> it's a little complicated. <laughs> something cosmic going on with that. And and what's it's really wonderful. We've got two different seed farms, local here, small scale, and we're, we're both we're both trying to do everything we can to to reinvigorate the the, the sort of local seed movement. Um, anyway, at the food summit, um, the two of us we we gave this uh, breakaway session last year, and it was really well received. And they asked us to do it again this year. Um, it's about seed saving. Mm-hmm. Uh, Erica will open up the session about a lot of the the broader aspects of see the seed industry and sort of how it's done nationally and why it's important to bring it local and smaller scale and sort of what's going on in that world. And then we'll sort of talk about the differences of open pollinated seeds mm-hmm. or heirloom seeds or hybrid seeds, you know, what's what's going on with that. And then I'll talk about more of the, the practical matters of seed saving, uh, how to plan your garden, how to let let the let the crop go for its full life cycle and how to harvest. Okay, it's that's... it's a lot of material to cover in an hour. Right, um, that's exciting. A lot to cover in a radio show segment too. So, <laughs> wow! And I love the title of the breakout session that you that you two are hosting. It's called Local Seed Soulmates. And I wanted to ask, as a student who may be in Ann Arbor over the summer, um, doing a little gardening. What might be my local seed soulmate? Is there something that I, as a student, could engage with if I wanted to save seeds? Like an easier, absolutely something. Uh, seed saving is is totally accessible to a gardener or someone who wants to do it on their own. Um, it's it's nice to have some proficiency with gardening first, and like with gardening, it's nice to pick pick something that you you already enjoy don't save seed on something that you don't <laughs> like to eat or, or like to do um some things that I, I recommend to beginners are uh, tomatoes lettuce beans um every crop's different and that's part of the joy in it but it can complicate things and these are examples of crops that are they're annuals so you'll go start to finish in one year uh they're easy to isolate so it's uh, not challenging to preserve the integrity of the, the variety that you grow. And it's it's reasonably easy to save the seed on it without a lot of extra knowledge or confusion. Okay, wow. You heard it from Eric himself. Uh, find your local seed soulmate this summer, guys. Um, so we're going to transition into our next song, which is uh, about soul food. It's written by uh, Lonnie Thomas, Youngblood. Uh, it was composed in 1967, and we've got Jimi Hendrix on on the uh, guitar. So we're going to transition into that song. But before I do, I just want to remind you again to share not only your food love, but your WCBN love and call in for our fundraiser, the annual fundraiser um, that is completely, uh, WCBN operates completely on donations. So this is your time to really, if you're listening in right now, please share the love and call 734-763-3500. Tex is going to take it away with Soul Food. Cornbread and 
lima beans, candy yams and collard greens. So food, that's what I like. Come on, baby. hungry in here for sure. It's WCBN FM Ann Arbor. I wanted to announce um, that Kevin Duke is definitely sharing the food love. We just had a donation over that song. Um, He was listening to Soul Food by Jimi Hendrix and Lonnie Youngblood and shared his enthusiasm for our show and for uh, WCBN. So thank you for your support, Kevin Duke. You're out there somewhere. I'd also like to mention um, that in light of WCBN's fundraiser and the Food Love Show that we've got going on here, there are some food love donations going on in the community from Washtenaw Dairy, Silvio's Organic Pizza, Amur's Deli, and Elixir Vitae. Thank you so much for your support. I'm going to go ahead and transition our food love conversation and bring in Bill Birkenhoff into the into the talk here. Hi, Bill. How are you doing today? Great, great. Great. So Bill is one of the co-founders and owners of Argus Farm Stop, here to talk to us today a little bit about his involvement with the local food summit and his support of that event. Bill, what do you guys got going on at the food summit? Well, it was a, a year ago at the food summit last year where we uh, had a small group and we talked about this concept of what a alternative distribution like Argus Farm Stop is bringing to Ann Arbor could look like. And we had a lot of feedback, a lot of questions, a lot of encouragement. And uh, following on that in August, we opened the doors of Argus Farm Stop. And uh, at the uh, local food summit this year, we're going to look back, um, talk a little bit about how 
shopping at Argus is uh, different from any of the other alternatives out there. Um, it's a store where uh, all of the producers own their goods, they set the prices, and they keep 80% of gross sales. And so our mission is to grow the local food economy. Uh, we'll talk about that model, and then we'll just talk about how it's working. Um, has it been successful so far? And And so is that totally unusual, the fact that growers get to partake in, in sort of setting prices? And is that not the norm? And when you step into other grocers, for example? Yeah, what we found, especially for, for local food, um, there's some, some wonderful venues out there like uh, farmers markets and CSAs where you can, you can pick up uh, or get delivered a box of vegetables every other week. And in those cases, you get you know, high margins, but there are a lot of work for the farms. Um, and uh, when you go to the other end of the spectrum and you sell to the traditional distribution channel, you really get a much lower price. Typically, sometimes you lose your identity. You don't connect with your uh, consumers as much. Um, and so the model at Argus is one where you have the quality of the, uh, of the display of, of produce and, and, and dairy and meats in a retail setting that's open every day. So it's very convenient for customers, um, but it's one specifically set up instead of looking to profit a, a corporate infrastructure. It's set up uh, specifically to benefit the uh, local growing economy around, uh, around Ann Arbor. Wow. So products are owned and priced by the producer. That's amazing. Awesome fun fact from Argus. So if you haven't checked it out, people, go to Argus. It's on Liberty and 2nd Street, right? That's right. Yeah, 325 West Liberty. Walking distance, even in the snow. Um, I want to ask you, Bill, about your, your mantra. Argus's mantra, our future is local. That connects really well with this topic of food love and with the local food summit. What, what does that mean to you? You know, um, we... When we, you know, we live in this in a great town, and we've done uh, a lot of things to help support a, a local uh, community that's uh, got great access to great local food. We have Green Belt that's helping to secure uh, property where farmers can farm. We have you know ability to finance uh, certain parts of farm operations, but we really felt that you know if you're going to make an investment with your food dollar, and you should, and we have a, a lot of our customers think this way that the the food dollar investment uh, being made locally is one where not only are you getting great food, but you're investing in this uh, in this community at the same time, and really you know as um, you know, depending on how fossil fuel prices, uh, you know, go up, um, you know, there's all kinds of things that could change in the future. And when you're thinking about, you know, a five, even a five to 10 year horizon, um, we really think an investment in local is one that you will appreciate. And uh, and it'll it'll pay back with having great farms that are sustainable. Um, also, the, the reintroduction of local variety of foods. Um, there's been kind of a homogenization across the country um, where most big uh, grocery stores are picking off of, you know, a, a similar set of distribution channels coming from uh, select parts of the world and country. Um, and some of the great things around Michigan get overlooked uh, and in any area. And we're hoping when you put more emphasis and you make local farming more viable, you'll see this reemergence and things that you really come to this area for that you can't get in other parts of the country and vice versa. Wow, that's amazing. I'm with you, Bill. The future is local from seed to produce to Argus Farm Stop to this community gathering that is going to be the local food summit. Uh, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what we got going on here. And I'm gonna, just going to take a quick break um, and tribute to that. Farming It Out by Mary Lou Lord is the next song we've got coming up. It's a bluegrassy tune with a little folky undertones. Um, it's from Lord's album Baby Blue. And 
yeah, I'm, I'm thinking you'll really enjoy it, and it it it's a good it's a good song. And show us how much you're enjoying that and the rest of the show and WCBN in general by calling in at seven three four seven six three thirty five hundred to share your comments with us, share some of your dollars with us, keep WCBN going, listener supported. Show your love, guys. Welcome back to It's Hot In Here on WCBN Ann Arbor. That was Mary Lou Lord with Farming Doubt. And here in the studio, uh, Keith Soster. Oh, sorry. Keith Soster actually left the building. Uh, but <laughs> in the building still is uh, Eric Kempe from Ann Arbor Seeds and Bill Brinkerhoff from Argus Farmstop. Does anybody here actually know what it means to farm it out? My understanding, it's when you're hiring someone else to do the work like you're hiring a contractor um so it's it's not on your farm it's off farm i guess wow that's interesting i think listening to that tune i just i love that song by mary lou lord uh i didn't grow up on it i'm not too familiar with it like historically but i just think it's beautiful the way that she says it i didn't i didn't know the original meaning so that's really interesting but it sounds like she's She's really giving away something heavy. She's like contracting out the work to something else. So I don't know if she's literally referencing farming out farming responsibilities, but it's, it's an interesting concept. Well, it goes well with our general theme today, which is definitely in celebration of the Food Summit next week, uh, February 15th at the, uh, well, partly in Rackham. The keynote speaker will be in Rackham, but the rest will all be happening at the Michigan League here at the University of Michigan. Um, but yeah, I'm getting a lot of just this sort of ecosystem of food that's growing in Ann Arbor and in different parts of the country and the world um, where we are all taking shared responsibility for ensuring um, a resilient, diverse supply of tasty, tasty treats. And it sounds from um, what our, you know, our guests have been saying that it's you know, consumers, farmers, um, retailers are all playing a really active part in, in shaping that uh that local food system so i salute that yes it's, it's amazing so um we've got we've got eric in studio and we've got bill in studio um and i wanted to ask we've kind of been skating around the subject but i wanted to ask directly to you guys what you hope um as being a part of this ecosystem as being members who are integral to making sure this 
ecosystem of local food is sustained in Ann Arbor. I wanted to ask um, what you hope that people visiting the Local Food Summit get out of it from your perspective as just one member in the local food system. What are you hoping? Uh, yeah, I, I I love the Local Food Summit as a place to connect with people in the community. It's a really great opportunity to meet who's here, who's uh, who's here as growers or as foodies or as part of the food system. Um, you know, from retail and suppliers to the, the whole whole game, just or to just people in the neighborhood who are gardeners or, or love eating good food and. Um, there are certainly are bigger national food conferences, but this one is so local. It's so laser beam to our community, and um, it's it's sort of my one of my favorite events of the year. So I'm looking forward to just meeting and seeing people people that I know that I don't get to see often enough, and uh, people that I I haven't met yet. Mm. Oh, well, well articulated. That's wonderful. Um, and if you want to see where you can connect with other people, uh, we mentioned this earlier, but localfoodsummit.org is where you would check out what's going on at the Local Food Summit, who you can connect with, what topics you can look into to share your food love or learn about someone else's food love that you didn't even think about. There's topics such as um, policy topics with the Washington Food Policy Council. There's topics considering concerning food justice and food issues of that sort. So there's a range of things going on and Uh, there's food stories so many food stories right lots of food stories it's gonna be a moth style food story sharing event i'm not exactly sure what moth style is but will copeland um from the eastern michigan environmental action council and also um a rapper for the city of detroit is going to be leading that and it should it should be powerful they're there's lots of food stories out there and in here, possibly. Yeah. Do you guys find yourselves sharing food stories a lot, um, Bill and Eric? I'd say it's been one of the uh, most interesting things about working at Argus. I tend to work in the afternoons uh, when a lot of food purchasing is taking place. And so you're just, by virtue of being in that uh, store at that time, uh, end up in a lot of conversations about uh, food um, and uh, just you know, one little example was a we have a, a, a type of pork that's a mangalitsa pork. It's an heirloom variety. It's a little fattier, and it is like the Kobe beef of pork. It's it's the it's phenomenal. And we had a, a woman who was looking for a unique present to bring back to Korea, and she brought a an heirloom mangalitsa ham uh, as the gift back to her family, uh, and talked about you know bringing this thing on the plane and getting it there, and and it was a you know, just one one little snippet, um, but the food stories are like this are so interesting uh, to hear. Yeah, I mean, we all definitely, um, you know, I think when it comes to food policy, we hear a lot of statistics of the amount of food waste. Um, that's sort of an inherent part of this large distribution network, et cetera, et cetera. But it seems like the stories, the individual stories of people enjoying, growing um, food, and then also having their challenges, our challenges with food, uh, something that we really tend to connect with. So I really encourage everyone to go to that session, as well as all the other sessions at the summit um, next week. I love The Moth. It's a really, really fantastic platform for storytelling that has inspired a lot of other... I can't wait to see how The Moth and local food come together. Yeah. uh, Yeah, those should be a really interesting mixture of media there. Yeah, for sure. That's amazing. So I am not exactly sure what a moth is. 
is. Can you explain what people sure. can expect? Yeah. Um, so the moth was actually uh, started, I think, in New York City. And essentially, it was a group. Well, the legend behind it is that uh, a group of friends would get together to just sit down in the evening, um, some candles lit, uh, and just tell stories. And that's something I think a lot... It's always been a very integral part of uh, humanity, us uh, sitting down in the evenings and talking, telling, sharing stories with one another. Um, and the saying was that there was like a little, a little moth that would just be fluttering over the, uh, the candle. Mm -hmm. But anyway, it just grew and grew and grew. And eventually it sort of, you know, was really popular in New York City. And um, I went to a couple of moth events where um, it was in, in pretty big, pretty big venues, just tons of us going in and watching people tell stories. And the idea is that it's not rehearsed. Um, you just kind of go up there. There's a theme. So all the all the different people who tell a story, tell a story revolving around that theme. So obviously the one here will be food. Um, and now it's all over the country slash world. Um, there's you know, in Ann Arbor, we have a moth event where people come together and tell stories um, at Circus, I believe, the third Tuesday of every month. Um, and there's tons of podcasts online related to storytelling, too. And the moth definitely played a really integral part in growing that. So it's great that we can bring that into the Food Summit as well and just have people tell their many stories about um, about food. Okay, that's amazing. So lots of food love going on in studio, lots of food st stories to share. Um, and Xavier Rudd, a singer who has a song, Food in the Belly, I think is appropriate to insert here. So Xavier is a surfer and he's he's definitely got more on his mind than just catching the next wave. He's sharing stories um, and has found pretty meaningful uh, and profound ways to express lyrics and um, place a few guitar melodies Basically, uh, Rudd's music spans a spectrum of issues, some of which are definitely food stories for other people. Range these food stories um, about policy, about famine, and this particular story is called Food in the Belly. So go ahead and play that next tune, Tex. Thank you. So go, but be kind. You have love on the side. <laughs> to drive. People sleeping on the concrete still smile behind the signs. Go now, be happy and be free. You, you have so much time. If you call, chances are you gone again. And if you call, chances are you go so.
Hello, Ann Arbor. We're back. This is It's Hot in Here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. The topic of the show today, if you're just listening in, is food love. We're discussing the local food summit, the seventh annual local food summit to be held on February, Sunday, February 15th. It's from 830 to 4, and it's held on Michigan's campus in starting at the league and moving to Rackham. We've got a wonderful keynote speaker on the line. It's the founder of White Dog Cafe in Philadelphia. Her name is Judy Wicks, and she was doing local food before local food was popular. Um, she has been um, looked at as a, a fundamental um, person in the food scene, so we're happy to have her um, with us for the local food summit. Hope you can attend. Um, Bill, you had mentioned while we were on that break there that you looked to Judy's, the Judy's business model for the White Dog Cafe is something that you looked into for Argus? Yeah, she, she was held up as an example of someone who's been doing local food for, for a long time. I understand their, their cafe is wonderfully popular, um, and it sources exclusively from local farms in a way that is uh, very sustainable for the, all of the uh, people providing food for the farm. Um, and so I think she's going to give a, a you know interesting talk, and this is another area, you know we've got you know farm to table is a is a popular theme on the restaurant side, and I think they've taken it to a to a new level there. So I'd be curious to hear what she has to say. Apparently, she founded it in 1983, so and it was just the first floor of her house, um, and it's been going ever since, which is pretty incredible. And she. Um, it's in Philadelphia. Um, she's also founded the Sustainable Business Network of Greater Philadelphia and the International Business Alliance for Local Living Economi Economies, uh, which is apparently, um, it, it includes a membership of 30,000 local independent businesses in the United States and Canada. Also, she was in Chiapas, Mexico, working with the Zapatistas. She's lived in an Alaskan Eskimo village. I don't know. I don't know. There's people who somehow managed to do all of these things uh, within a couple amazing. of decades. <laughs> Sounds like she probably has a lot of food stories to share, um, and it's going to be a great keynote. I'm excited to I'm excited to learn from her and see what her experience, um, what experiences she brings to Ann Arbor for that time. Um, so she'll be sharing food stories at the local food summit, and you can share your own food stories. This is a really good time to plug um, some of the work that my friend Kelsey Ballantyne and a couple other people at the University of Michigan have been doing. If you've got food stories to share there is someone out there collecting them and they you can share those stories at foodstories.org our foodstories.org oh our foodstories.org <laughs> sorry kelsey if you're listening it's our our foodstories.org um, so go ahead and share those and also share your food love um, with us today by calling into studio at 734 3500. We would love um, to have you guys ask our guests a couple questions or to share some of your own food stories. I actually have a question. Um, I would love both Eric, Bill, and obviously Becca always value your opinion. Um, you. you know, we're talking a lot about bringing people together and the power of local, uh, buying local, sustainable food. Um, I just I want to talk a little bit about the existing system, which definitely is founded much more on these huge supply chains where um, consumers are very much disconnected from producers. Um, and I just want to try to understand, I mean, I know there's not a right answer to this, and we only have a couple of minutes in the show, but uh, why? how did we get to this? Why are we even within this system? Is it efficiency? Is it that we as consumers don't want to know what's going into our food? What do you guys think? Just a, a hunch. 
Yeah, I, I think um, <laughs> big question. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> you know, the, I think the traditional food system is really set up um, around low cost, uh, around the durability of the product that needs to get shipped, um, and and year round supply of the same things, and so you know though. Those have been kind of the driving forces of what has kind of led to everyone having, you know, grapes and avocados uh, and bananas and, you know, lettuce, you know, every month of the year. Um, and and I think, um, you know, it's it's it has displaced a lot of what used to be the local uh, variety um, and some of the more um, eating in the season um, right. attributes where you really look forward to that first asparagus in April or in, uh, in this, in the springtime. Hmm. Um, you talked about efficiency and uh, I used to be an engineer, so I have a bad habit of getting <laughs> ah, yes. hung up on the details <laughs> and it's sort of a, a, a pet peeve of mine that often uh, a system will be talked about as efficient, but they won't define efficient in regards to what. So they'll say, oh, you know, the most efficient way to grow food is X. Mm -hmm. And often they're talking about, well, efficient in terms of cost or man hours. And that's sort of what's produced the very large disconnected food system that, that we primarily have. Um, but if, if we changed what we meant by efficient to mean, you know, healthy food or tasty food, right. it changes then how the food system is grown. If, uh, if we're trying to have the cheapest tomato, then there's an efficient way to do that. But if we're trying to have the tastiest tomato, there's a very different, most efficient way to do that. That's so true. And so the, the thing I keep learning about agriculture is it's all about scale. If you're going to grow two tomato plants or 200 or 200,000, it's very, very different. And there's different efficiencies. Yeah, that, okay. let's add a little complexity to that. That, yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think we have a caller. Is we, that right? We do have a caller on the line. Are you there? I am here. Can Hi. you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Hi, who are we speaking with? Uh, my name's Larry, and uh, I wanted to ask uh, Eric, when you're growing the, the, the heirloom seeds, how do you... How, what safeguards do you have in place to prevent contamination with the genetically modified seeds? Uh, hi, Larry. Uh, thank you. Um, so everything is its own different puzzle. But um, thankfully, uh, GMO seed is not present in most of the species I'm growing. So most of the GMO activity is involving large commodity or agronomic crops. So corn and soy uh, and sugar beets are, are very large examples. Um, but there's not the same uh, GMO threat, if you will, uh, to some of the smaller scale crops. So when I'm growing lettuce, I'm not concerned. Um, but you do raise a good point. Um, if I'm doing... <laughs> Are you still there? Um, if I'm growing, I am here. If I'm growing beets, it's very important to me that it's not uh, cross-contaminated with a GMO crop or just another variety. So um, I do all of my isolation through distance. I make sure that I'm growing a crop far enough away from any potential no, no. contaminant. I understand I'm not asking you or uh -huh. uh, questioning your integrity, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, with the GMO industry, oftentimes there's um, antagonistic relationships between the, the organic farmers and the industry. 
And uh, sometimes there can be, um, uh, it's not purposeful on your part, but there's accidental cross-contamination with plants that produce the seeds. And mm-hmm. then the industry creates trouble for their organic farmer. And I, I was wondering how you prevent, how you protect yourself from that industry. And secondarily, have you faced any of the nonsense that the agrochemical industry places upon the small independent farmers? Uh, yeah, you're right. There's there's a very troubling history of large companies bullying small seed savers. And um, I mean, and that's a terrifying reality. Uh, luckily, I've been below the radar thus far. <laughs> and so uh, I haven't had to face any of those issues. Um, if I if I were, I mean, that's sort of half the point is to provide an alternative. Um, my ex- expectation is that I have a community that supports me and an ability to keep, keep going through that. Um, the only crops that would be a concern would be like beets and chard. Um, I don't mess around with corn, not so much because of the GMO, but just as a grower, it's sort of a different large-scale crop. Um, I guess I guess we'll see when we when we cross that road. If I could be so fortunate to get large enough to be on their <laughs> radar, then we'll fight that fight then. Okay. Wow. Interesting and complicated uh, subjects. And I just want to point out here that um, we will be having Eric's information online at hottenhere.us um, for you guys hopefully to get connected his his um, business information and maybe contact information online for you guys to get connected at that point. Thank you so much for calling in Larry. Sorry to um, cut you off. We do have to move into our next song though. I hope you'll enjoy it. No, thank you for having me on. Appreciate thank you so much for the call and appreciate the questions. Bye. So we're going to switch in quickly to a song, um, one of my personal favorites. It's Red Red Wine by UB40. Um, what is a talk with about food if you're not also including drink in that conversation? To me, they go hand in hand, especially if we're talking about red wine. So we're going to go ahead and move into our last tune of the day. Welcome back for the last couple of minutes of It's Hot In Here on WCBN. 
Um, we want to thank everyone who's called in already and who has pledged uh, to donate money to WCBN's fundraiser. Last year, WCBN raised $45,000 from just listeners like you out there um, pledging to support the the radio station, which is entirely listener-supported. University of Michigan provides us a space, but doesn't actually give us any of the operating funds that we need to survive. So um, please, please keep calling in during our show, but also during the next show. Again, the number is 734-763-3500. Every little bit helps, just like saving every little bit of seed helps, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, so thank you for listening in today. We had a wonderful show um, with a few guests in studio. I want to give a thank you to Eric Kempe from Ann Arbor um, Seed Co. and also Bill Brinkenhoff. Did I say it right? Yeah, Brinkerhoff. Uh, Brinkerhoff. I messed it up. Sorry. Right on, Right at the end there. Um, from Argus Farmstop, Bill Brinkenhoff from Argus Farmstop. Uh, we were talking about food love, sharing our food stories, and pitching the local food summit which is coming up february 15th it's a sunday it's from 8 30 to 4 tickets are on sale now at localfoodsummit.org and if you're a student listening in scholarships are available uh please do please do apply for those please do buy your tickets and we will see you there we are going to um end it with a song by the newest member, the newest addition to the It's Hot in Here radio family. This song is a popular tune in Hawaii. Um, Bailey is our new addition to the family, and she recommended this one because she, her dad is actually a radio host in Hawaii. How amazing is that? Um, and so this is Drop Baby Host in Hawaii. How amazing is that? Um, and so this is Drop Baby Drop by Manao Company, and it is about one man's love of mangoes. So keeping that food love alive. Thank you so much. This is WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Got the drop on your love on me. Drop, baby, drop, baby, drop. Drop cause I'm hungry. chance to make a difference. Support Radio Free Ann Arbor and make a pledge to WCBN-FM during this year's fundraising drive. At 88.3 on your FM dial, WCBN is the only real alternative.